Anxiety, I'm so done with you. Wouldn't it be nice if we all could say that? That is the title of a new book by my guest today. Hello and welcome to Living Well with Robin Stoloff, empowering you to live a healthier life. I'm so pleased to welcome Jody Amon. She's a psychotherapist, author, podcaster, YouTuber with 26 years of experience helping others. So glad you could be with me today, Jody. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Robin. Let's talk about the overall theme of your book. First of all, it's aimed at teens. What's the full title? So it's Anxiety, I'm So Done With You. It's a teen's guide to ditching toxic stress and hardwiring your brain for happiness. Because we are under so much toxic stress in our culture right now, the last couple of years, but even before the pandemic, people have been struggling, especially our young people. And I think there's some unique reasons why our young people are struggling extra. So this is helping them know how to understand their feelings so that they can navigate them. Why is it so much worse? It seems like it's so much worse than it's been in the past. Yeah. Well, I think with, uh, with the, model modern time you know we have these let's see let's see we're not really doing the tasks that we used to do to survive we have things that do stuff for us we get food that's already made we have all kinds of appliances that do things for us so we're not taking any action to for our survival and that really gives us a lot of idle time and if you think about it we usually we mistakenly think that kids are overscheduled and yes they're overscheduled but they're still idle in that. Like they don't have to put that effort in to figure things out and problem solve anymore. Everything's kind of done for them. Mm, that is amazing. And what role does social media play in all that? Because I know I have a, a 19 and a 22 year old and I barely see their faces. Their head is always down. I see the top of their head because they're always in their phones. And it's it seems like it's just gotten out of control. And so many of them, and I even talk to other kids that are in that age group that say, nobody has any social skills anymore. They don't talk to each other. Yeah, they definitely don't. It's a totally new way of communicating and they're not in person with people as much anymore. And that actually is increasing their anxiety and depression because they're making assumptions. They're not asking questions or getting clarity or solving problems in person anymore. They're making assumptions, getting upset about it, and then not resolving it anywhere. But plus, there's all these messages that have access to us when we have our phones in our hand, messages that say that other people are better than you. There's this huge comparison culture and social media is increasing it. And then there's trauma that happens really far away that it's in our hands now. And, you know, when we were developing our nervous system, we were supposed to be, we were in present with the danger and we could do something about it. Now, when we see horrible things far away, there's nothing we could do. We feel helpless and that makes it us worse. And there's, there's also marketing messages actually, that makes us feel like we need to buy this just because it's cool and it's exciting. And actually that's not, we don't get to buy stuff just because it's cool and exciting. We have to work for something to get mm -hmm. it right. But we're, but kids have lost that idea of the cause and effect. That's mm -hmm. what I think in all of these messages, kids have lost this cause and effect. We have to do something to get something and they're not connected with their skills anymore. They have them, but they're just not connected with those skills. Yeah. And not to mention 
all the social media images of, you know, perfect people out there and celebrities or even friends who have filtered themselves. <laughs> it's just like, it's not real. And people are comparing yeah. themselves to that. And I think that creates more anxiety, more Absolutely. depression to try to keep right. up. It's like there, there's, there's a highlight reel of this person and it's filtered and they're comparing it to their backstage mess. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the mess that they feel in their head and in their life and all the stuff, you don't see that on social media. And so you think that those other people are just lucky and they don't have to work too hard to get there. And you don't, you're comparing yourself to their highlight reel. Yes, that's a really good way to put it because that happens with celebrities too. You know, even adults look at their lives and we think, oh, look at their great, wonderful life. We have no idea what goes on in their own head or behind themselves. We've actually seen people that we think are, you know, famous and rich and have everything that that have taken their own lives, which is yeah. unbelievable. Sh- to, and then we're shocked about it. Yes, right. exactly. Because well, why would you do world, that? You have a great life. Yeah. Yeah, We don't know. And it's mental illness. And, you know, anxiety is a form of mental illness. And I think a lot of our teens are experiencing that now. And it's it's so sad. And as a parent, you want to do whatever you can to help them. So what does your book address? How can we take the first step to to give them the help they need and to help them educate them so that they go down the proper path? That, that's a really good question because parents and educators and other therapists are reading this book to get the ideas because we're all feeling really helpless. You know, when we can't help our kids, we feel really helpless ourselves. So the book does give tools, helps people understand it. I don't think about anxiety and depression as a mental illness because that makes people feel like an us versus them. Like mm-hmm. we're different. And that is actually devastating on the psyche. So I help people understand that anxiety and depression is a regular human response to our modern world right now. That doesn't mean you can't change it, but mm-hmm. helping understand why it comes because so many of our young people are like, why me? Why do I have anxiety? And everybody's different. Everyone could do it and I can't do it. That actually is very distracting from healing yourself and also makes you feel really, really horrible. So the message I want adults to give to kids is like, we're not leaving you like this. You could get better and we could get you better and let's do it. And in all of the tools are in this book. And I have a podcast also that goes along with the book. So each section of the book has a podcast episode that goes. And so it really helps people integrate what I'm talking about. Parents are loving it too, because it gives them the tools that they need to help their kids. Absolutely. Because you're right. I mean, our kids are an extension of ourselves. Somebody once said to me, you're only as happy as your saddest child, which is a really weird way to put it. But it is so, so true. true because we every parent would agree children feel we we were yeah. like they're part of us and we want to help them in, in so many ways. Is it important to get them, you know, out socially or doing more or getting more involved? Is that one of the the steps that we can take? Yes. So there's this difference between hyper scheduled and this pressure that we put on ourselves to be the best at everything uh, versus getting involved in something, making goals for yourself and working towards something, trying something, being creative, having, uh, having to problem solve. Those things are really good. Our mind has evolved for millions of years to problem solve. And so when we're not in situations where we're problem solving, our mind is making up things for us to try to problem solve. And they seem really real. Like we have to really worry about this. Some future remote possibility of something happening, we're worried about it right now, like we have to solve it. 
and it's unsolvable. So we get stuck there. Yes. Yes. Do you think that it's good to limit some of the social media in our teens? I mean, I probably, it's the ship has sailed for my kids, but when someone's maybe 12 or 13 years old, is it important that we kind of limit their time on social media? Yeah, as late as you you could as late as you could wait to have your kid have a, a phone that goes to the internet as late as you can. But uh and then you know, really talk to them about the consequences, have them really observe it. Some kids in high school, they start to realize this is what's happening and they start to give themselves some distance from it. They see that they're addicted, like they can't wait, they can't get off or they're thinking about uh, all like, what if I miss something? What if I miss something? And then they realize they could get off and they feel better immediately. There's studies been done that when people have a little separation, an hour or two away from their phone, they feel completely different. And that's important for them to witness for themselves so they can make those decisions for themselves too, especially when they get to your kid's age and you have no control about what they do. I, I really don't. Although we do have a no screens at dinner policy, although my yeah. son will sneak it under the table. And, and I always say, you're not a heart surgeon. No one's going to die. You can put the phone down. You know, it's just really okay. It's it's the fear of missing something. And I'm, what is he missing? I don't even know what he's looking at, but they don't even just, know themselves. No, it's just scrolling through mindless stuff. And, and there's been times I've got to say that I've been guilty of it. And it almost, it kind of grosses me out a little bit. It's like, why am I doing this? It's, it's not serving me in my life. And so I've been really more cognizant, cognizant of it lately and only watching things. And even the news, even just sometimes the news just can, like depress me. I'll watch a little, get my info and I shut it off. I used to have it on all the time. And I just, it's repeating the same it's thing repeating over and, over. and it's making you sad with so yeah. many, they don't talk about happy things. You know, maybe at the end of the news, they give one happy story, <laughs> but it's mostly sad and it's just yeah. very hard. And that I think can create anxiety, especially what you said, when you really have no control over something happening in another country or in another part of our, our country, there's nothing we can do about it. And it makes you have it's this important for of, us to know, right? Uh, so that we could stand up for injustices, yes, of course. Yes. Like it's, we don't want to be irreverent, but and ignore things. Yes. Americans like to do that a lot. Yes, but exactly, there's something about knowing what to do. If you see something bad happening somewhere, what can you do? Could you could you collect money for that that charity, or could you send diapers somewhere if there's an earthquake? If we did something with that, that's what they should teach in school. So we teach about these horrible things in history, but we really have to talk about what does that mean for us now? What does that mean that we have to do? What can we do for our communities? What could we mm -hmm. do for somebody else when you have that feeling of bad things happen to people? How do I show up right now? How do I make things better for other people? And I, I wonder if history teachers don't make that connection because a yes. lot of times kids come to therapy because they've been triggered by history class. It's really overwhelming and not integrated into like, well, what does this mean then for us now? What should we do with that? And that's going to teach them how to handle hearing bad news their whole life. Yes, that's an important could, skill because I don't something. know if we all have it. <laughs> we don't. Yes. If you hear bad news, like what can you do to help somebody out? 
you feel helpless. I mean, you think, think of a big incident like 9-11 or January yeah. 6th. Like you're just looking at that going, oh my gosh, you know? And, and it is it is almost like you freeze in your tracks. What do I do about it? And there are things, even on smaller levels, even if it's something, you know, helping out with a local food bank or whatever, just donating time or donating whatever you can to helping a cause really does make you feel, I mean, it's almost a privilege to be able to do that for people. Absolutely. So, it really makes you feel like you're useful and purposeful. Yes. That's and a good that's a good point. I want to bring that up with teens because I mean they're maybe not the most altruistic people. They're very self-centered in many times. But do you find that if they get a sense of purpose or a sense of, you know, self-worth that 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 helps them to overcome anxiety? I think that's everything. I think a low self-worth is connected to anxiety so strongly that that's a whole chapter of my book is trying to help people make peace with themselves. Because if you don't like yourself, you don't think you have skills, you don't think you could handle anything. And then it's scary to think of something happening to you when you don't have skills and don't can handle anything, right? So we have to make peace with ourselves. You can't not like yourself and then get over your anxiety. You have to have trust in yourself. Trust is actually the opposite of anxiety. And so I spent a lot of time and, and right now I'm recording the podcast episodes that go with chapter four. And so I'm really, really excited to bring this content to people. It's it's so helpful. And that has to do with trusting yourself and overcoming your fears. Uh, you know, that's, I always think what comes first though, the chicken or the egg? It's hard to tell a young kid that maybe doesn't have a lot of friends that maybe doesn't look the way he or she would like to trust in yourself, to feel confident when maybe in their lives, they, they have never had a moment that made them feel confident. How do you do that? Well, there's always times in our life that made it make us feel confident, but when you are kind of broken down and feel really bad about yourself, you tend to see those bigger, right? We have themes and stories for our life. So if we have a story that we're a loser, we see those times in our life where we were, we think we're a loser, much more prominent. They'd stand out because they're part of that dominant story of our life. Mm -hmm. There is always other things going on, other events that stand out that are something else, but they're subjugated by that dominant story. So as a therapist, I feel like that's my job. And as a parent, I feel like that's my job to always be drawing out these other things. There are examples of when they did something or achieved something or were something that they gave value to, like a good friend or something. And so bringing those things out will help them see it and breathe life into those other stories that they're a loyal friend or they tried something hard and did it and or whatever it is. That They're is there. really a good point because we tend to all do that. Focus on the negative, you know, instead of yeah. what we have accomplished. Adults do it as well as kids. And yep. before we started recording, you had said that a lot of what's in your book also applies to adults. It's not just teens. Absolutely. Adults are reading it for themselves as well as for their young people and teachers and counselors. They're reading it for themselves as well as they are for their clients and their own families. Why aren't we taught these kind of skills at a younger age? I know we're taught all these things. And I think about going back, going to school, and I'm like, I probably, I don't remember a lot of the things I learned. And I've, <laughs> I'm sure as heck don't use a lot of the things I, I learned, but it did help my brain. And we all have to say it helps our brain to think. But why aren't we taught, you know, self-help skills and ways to, you know, overcome problems? We don't seem to really focus on those things, life skills, 
in school yeah. or maybe one one semester maybe <laughs> yeah. well that health class but i think yeah. all like health classes in new york state anyway they usually the teachers those are curated classes so the teacher curates them but a lot of teachers i know do put a mental health unit in but they are it's really old mental health thinking like you could have an this is the difference between an anxiety disorder and then regular worry that's not even helpful to anybody so i'm creating with the book i'm creating a curriculum for a mental health unit in high school health classes because you're right we need to learn this stuff the the concept of self compassion that i teach how to have self compassion people do not know how to have self compassion they don't practically know what that looks like or how to do it. And I'm like, we need to be teaching this in middle school, how to have self-compassion for ourselves, because it would change the whole rest of the 15 years, the next 15 yes. years of our life and Absolutely. further, right? I yes. think I would re I come across adults of my age that don't know how self-compassion they're like, well, how do you do that? And I'm like, oh, we need yeah. to be teaching that stuff young because it's I, that is fantastic that you're doing that because it is such an important skill because everything else stems from that. All of, you know, your work, your, your romantic relationships, your friendships, all of that stems from basically how you feel about yourself, your self-worth, your self-compassion, your self-empathy, all of that comes from there to make exactly. you a better person to show up in the world. I think that, exactly. that that's a great idea that you're doing that. Yeah, I'm so, I'm really excited to get this stuff out because I think it's very very needed. And the book came out a couple of years ago during COVID, but that audiobook came out this summer and now this podcast and and the curriculum's coming out this spring. So so we're just going to get busy. it out there because <laughs> if if these young people like think about it if they are if we're really healing all that trauma of the anxiety that they're experiencing or this time in our world right now, then they're going to, when they start to reaper, you know, have babies of themselves, like things could really change. And so I, I'm really dedicated to oh, doing that. That is, that is a great mission. And do you think that, you know, parents and teachers are the ones that really have to make the difference starting at a young age with kids? I mean, is that where it all stems from? Well, I mean, I don't know, I don't want to blame anybody, but but there's a lot on their shoulders, right? There's a lot on parents' shoulders mm -hmm. and it takes a village and so there's other adults in this child's life from all over the place. And so having your kids have access to a lot of adults who are good role models would be great if we, you know, if you have that access. So yeah, it's really important. I think that would be, that's such a very important mission for people mm -hmm. to have is to bring our young people up in a way that they can feel really good about themselves, uh, feel good about the world, want to make the world a better place, want to bring people in and care about people instead of mm -hmm. alienating other people uh, and, and having conflict. If, if we're doing that, that is legacy work that is so essential right now. Yes. And it probably, you know, starts with doing it yourself, leading by example, because I always say kids see what you do, not always what you say, but they see what you do. You can tell exactly. them a million times, you show them once, and that's when they learn it. And I just feel like that's such an important part of it. And I'm sure a lot of destructive behaviors that kids might get into drugs or, you know, just bad habits. Uh stem from a lack of self-worth or, or, or which creates anxiety. Would you agree that you might see some? Yeah. That, I mean, what I way? see is it, when, when kids have depression or anxiety, when kids feel out of control, 
they tend to grab something near them that could help them get into control. And that leads to these behaviors, maybe sexual promiscuity or uh, substance use, uh, bullying other people or controlling themselves like through eating disorder or being perfect or trying to, you know, studying all night long or whatever they do. Mm -hmm. These are about control. When you're feeling out of control, it's a way they attempt to regulate their emotions, but actually those things cause more chaos. And so, so it gets worse. Yes. And then they like try to grab more power somewhere. Because you're in pain and you're trying to get out of pain. It's just a, yeah. a, a natural human response. And it's it is understandable. so prevalent. Yes, yes, it is. But we but have I'm, to teach them how to have power that's sustainable, like real sovereign power that's sustainable instead of this pseudo power. I call it pseudo power when they're grabbing at those things. It's not sustainable, so they have to keep grabbing it. It creates more chaos, so they have to keep grabbing it, and they get all, and it's it's so painful to their, and so damaging to their emotional wellness, and then they try to grab more. So that is what the whole premise of this book is, how to teach them how, it's teaching them how to have sustainable power so they feel good, and it lasts, feel good about themselves, feel good about what they're doing, and, you know, it's, it, they've, they're emotionally well then. And when you work with some of these teens, have you seen breakthroughs? Have you seen a, a, a change in how they live their lives? Yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot of times people bring people, parents bring kids to me in counseling and they're like, wow, this is, you know, they assume that you go to counseling for like six months every week or something like that. But sometimes it's just a couple of conversations. It's helping them think about their problems differently. And they could get it from the book. So it's uh, it's important information to get out there. You seem so passionate about it. Where can people get your book? Where can they reach you? Where can they watch your podcast? Give us all your info. Thank you. Yeah. So my website's jodyamon.com, J-O-D-I-A-M-A-N.com. And the podcast is a link on the top and my books are a link at the top. And I have tons of blogs and videos over there uh, for you Um to really help you release fear, lift everybody up around you and, and feel good. What a beautiful, wonderful mission, jodyamon.com. Thank you so much for joining us. I learned a lot. I hope our listeners, viewers also learned a lot. I'm sure they did. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Robin. My pleasure. And thank you for being with me today for Living Well with Robin Stoloff, empowering you to live a healthier life. Don't forget to subscribe and I'll keep you updated on my most recent episode. Until I see you next time, keep living well.